All right, God willing, we'll be expounding verses 10 through 12 this morning. Hosea chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And the title of this message is, The Reality of Sin. The Reality of Sin. We've been continuing our study here in Hosea chapter 2, where God has been likening, comparing Israel to a cheating wife who left him for a false god. Israel had given credit to false gods for everything the one true God had done for her. So God said he was going to take back some of the blessings he had given her so she could see that her false gods were a lie and they were powerless to provide for her. That's where we left off last week and now this morning. uh, God is going to tell Hosea in verse 10 what he's going to do to faithless Israel. And, And by the way, before... Uh, we get into this this morning. We, we're reading a lot about God's judgment on Israel. But before we finish this chapter, you'll see it's not all gloom and doom. And with a the warning, there's also wonderful, comforting promises too. And so uh, you have to have both. You know, God not only gave Mount Sinai and the thunder, He also gave the cross and the blood. Thank God. So uh, you don't have to have the one. You can always have the other. So uh, I just want to let you know, we, it will get better. And then it'll get worse, and it'll get better, and it'll get worse. And God's going to show the good, the bad, and the ugly of of Israel's sin. All right, so let's go ahead and look now in verse 10. God said, And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you for the wonderful time we've already had this morning in Sunday school. And I thank you for those who came here, Lord, to hear. And God, I pray you'll bless them. I pray your Holy Spirit will convict them of your truth of your word and have them, Lord, their hearts soften and turn, Father, Lord, uh, to put their trust in your scriptures. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Teach to me now, I pray, and open our eyes and ears that we may hear what you have to say in your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God says, and now will I discover her that is Israel's lewdness in the sight of her lovers. I believe God is painting a, a picture for us here of Israel being a beautiful woman, one who had been romancing her false gods, who he calls her lovers. But Israel's beauty was not her own. That's the key here. And God was about to show her that, that very fact, and he was going to bring her to shame in front of the false gods that she loved in the godless nations that she committed fornication with. How many of y'all have ever seen a woman? I know you have. But how many of y'all have ever seen a woman who looked absolutely beautiful? But when she took her makeup off, she was ugly. Anyone ever seen one like that? We got hands going up everywhere. Now just be honest. Let's just be honest. She takes that makeup off and she looks like an entirely different person who wasn't as pretty as you thought she was. You go, oh my goodness. Now suppose there's a woman like that that a man finds very attractive. Her hair and her nails are beautiful. Her teeth are straight, white, and symmetrical. Her face has no imperfections. Her figure is ideal. 
She smells of the finest perfume. She drives a luxury vehicle. And she lives in a gorgeous mansion. And he's been dating this woman for a while. And uh, one day he decides that he's going to show up at her house and ask her to marry him. And he thinks, man, I'm going to have it all. If I marry this woman, I'm going to have her beauty and her wealth. But unbeknownst to him, the woman doesn't own the house she's been living in. It belongs to someone else. Unbeknownst to him, she has been financially supported by another benevolent man who, on account of her lewd behavior, just kicked her out of the house and terminated her monthly support. So when her boyfriend shows up, drives up to the front of the house, he finds her outside sitting on the curb, homeless, with no makeup on, He didn't know who she was at first when he saw her. He thought, who is this outside my girlfriend's home? She doesn't look anything like she did before. Her face is flawed and ugly. Her beautiful teeth, well, they were those veneers that covered up her rotten teeth. Her lovely hair was a wig. It's gone now. Like Dolly Parton, just gone. The fine figure that she had this whole time was a fat belly covered by a girdle. Now that the wealthy man has repossessed his possession, she has no vehicles, no fancy clothes, and she looks like any other typical homeless person. Everything she once had that made her attractive to that man was given to her. By the wealthy, benevolent man who loved her. And now that he has taken those things away. He pulls up and sees her. As the pathetic creature she really is. Without the wealthy man behind her. And that's what God is about to do with Israel. Israel was beautiful. Israel used to be a world power. People used to come to Israel just to... To see it, and, and uh, as one queen did, came in to hear and see the wisdom of Solomon. But God's going to take it all away, he says, from her. All the things that made her attractive. He's going to remove her national security. He's going to remove her wealth. He's going to destroy her agriculture, or give it away. He's going to destroy her temple. Her glory as the people of God will also be lost. Her makeup will be taken off. Her nice clothes will be removed. And she will be stripped down and seen as the undesirable harlot that she really is. That's why he said he will discover her lewdness, which literally means her nakedness. I'm going to take back everything. How do we come to this world? Naked, without anything. How did, how did the nation of Israel come to this world? Naked. God made her. God put her up. God clothed her. In, in one part of the Bible, God talks about him finding Israel like a little baby and him washing her off and making her clean and feeding her and growing her up and putting nice clothes on her. And now she's going to be back stripped down and seen for what she really is, a godless, sinful nation. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 58, if you're taking notes, you might want to put this in your margin. Deuteronomy 58, verse 26 through, uh, I'm sorry, verse 56 through 57. God told Israel what would happen to her after she entered the promised land and forsook him. Now, this was before Israel ever got to the promised land. God knew what would happen. And God warned them, saying, The tender and delicate woman among you. Y'all know the tender and delicate woman. Y'all heard of the story of the princess and the pea? That's the tender, delicate woman. So beautiful, so sweet, so soft and lovely. She lays on the bed and there's a little pea under the mattress. And oh, it hurts. So delicate, so beautiful. God says, the tender, delicate, and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. That is, she was so delicate and so fine and so beautiful, she wouldn't even walk around barefooted. He says, her eye shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet and toward her children which she shall bear for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and straightness wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates he says it's going to get so bad they're going to, Israel's going to rebel against me, and it's going to get so bad that I'm going to bring their enemy against them and lay them under siege. There won't be anything to eat in the house. And that tender, delicate woman that seems so fine and sophisticated, she'll turn to eating her own offspring. That's how selfish she really is. He said, I'm going to reveal that. Did you know that actually happened? It actually happened. Brother Shepherd. Uh, I believe it talked about it. Remember, there were two women, and uh, they, they made a deal with each other when Israel was under siege. And one said, I tell you what, we'll boil and eat your son today, and we'll boil and eat mine tomorrow. Y'all remember that story? And so she boiled and ate her son. The next day, the other woman wasn't quite as hungry after she ate the, her friend's son, and she went and hid hers so the lady wouldn't boil her son. That's how bad it got, and that reveals the, the level of, of corruption Please make sure your phones or electronic devices are silenced or they'll be seized by Abel and destroyed forever. Thank you. <laughs> but that's what God is saying here. You see, America is that woman uh, like Israel that's been propped up by God's grace for so long now. The Bible says those things in the old days, in the Old Testament, they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Yes, God is speaking to Israel. Yes, this is still applicable to Israel today. But as everything else in the Bible, it's applicable, applicable to us. We've been propped up by God's grace. He gave us what made us so beautiful. One of our celebrated songs says, America the Beautiful, which, uh, which we have sung since our childhood. It goes like this, America, America. God shed His grace on thee. But when God removes His grace, a nation will lose her beauty. God's going to remove His grace, and He's been removing His grace because America's been shoving it off of her for so long. And as God continues to remove His grace, America will continue to lose her beauty. You see, when, when you, you're outside, as I get to very often... When I drive to work early in the morning, 
I get to see a beautiful sunrise. And sometimes I think, oh, I wish Tammy was here and she could see this. Every now and then I'll take it and I'll drive and take a picture of it and send it to her when I get to work. But you know, when you see a lovely sunrise, that's the grace of God. When you hear a lovely song being sung, that's the grace of God. When you lean over and smell the fragrance of a rose, that's the grace of God. Anything of worth comes from our Creator, and He alone should be praised for it. Once upon a time, Babylon was believed to have been the largest city in the world. And now it's nothing more than some poor, pathetic ruins in the desert. Did you know you can travel to Iraq today? Iraq, that nasty country. You can travel to Iraq today and still go and see the Babylon in the Bible. It's still there. It's just rubbles. Saddam Hussein was going to try to tear it down and build his, his little mansion or whatever over the rubbles of Iraq. I'm sorry, of Babylon. But you can travel there today and still see the deteriorating rubble of where King Nebuchadnezzar, that powerful king in the Bible, once ruled. And it's nothing now but rubble. Once upon a time, the earth that we stand on right now was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Our planet was like all the other planets in the universe. It was not until God spoke the blessing of His grace upon this planet that it was warmed with light and began thriving with life. Once upon a time, the nation of Israel was nothing more than an elderly man named Abraham who had no children. Once upon a time, Just a short time ago, in fact, the United States of America did not even exist. God made Babylon what it was. God made earth what it was. He made Israel what she was. He made America what she was and is becoming today. But Israel refused to acknowledge God. So God said He was going to strip His blessings of grace from Israel and disgrace her before her enemies. Look back in your text. And none shall deliver her out of mine hand. When God determines to judge someone, there's nobody who can stop Him. He says, none shall deliver her out of my hand. No league that we form with other nations can stop Him. A limitless military budget can't stop him. None, God said, shall deliver her out of mine hand. America may look strong and capable today. Uh, I'm sure Israel looked strong and capable back then. People may want to move here today. They're flooding across our borders right now. And they're, they're, they're trying to get a better life. People are wanting to invest in businesses here because of our economy. Uh, our economy may provide jobs to people across the world now. But when God judges a godless country, nobody can stop Him. 
Revelation chapter 18 describes how God will judge the godless government at the end of time. Funny that uh, Babylon, who used to be, again, supposed to have been the largest city in the world, military might, marvelous economy. In the end, God's going to compare and call the the political entity of this world, which will be like a one world government. They'll be again to come together and form underneath a centralized government. And if you'll notice, that's what all liberals want to do. We, the conservative people, they want to be independent. The liberals, they love big government. They want to grow government. They want to rule the world. And they're going to try to consolidate. They want to make leagues with their nation. Well, let's see what this nation does over here. Let's be like them and let's come together and group all together. And one day that's going to happen. And God's calling that in the book of the Revelation, Babylon. Because it's going to fall like Babylon did. It's not literally going to be Babylon. That city's gone. But it'll be like Babylon. A godless, powerful kingdom with a vibrant economy. Now listen to what's going to happen in the end of time, which I believe is not too far away. The Apostle John said in Revelation 18 verse 1, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. You see the leagues of the nations here? Joining in this one world government. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So you see the merchants here. You see that there's a political unity. Now listen, if all the political unities are together, then you have a very strong political union. And look at the incredible economy. The merchants are getting rich. Everything's looking great. They don't have God in their government. They think, man, we're, we're killing Christians. and This is all great. We're finally going to make the world the way it's supposed to be. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. That's God in the last days speaking to the believers. Saying, Leave. Leave her. Have no part with her. And he says, That ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, which means it's time now, judgment has come, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double, in other words, she's going to get payback back and then some. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow. 
and shall see no sorrow. Do you see the pride of the, of the, the, the government of the last age? She'll think, man, nothing's going to happen to me now. Nothing's going to stop us now. What an incredible government we have built. What an amazing economy we have. Nothing's going to stop us now. Verse 8, therefore, she, therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Just like. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen. And purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors of ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and staves I'm sorry slaves and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping saying, uh, and saying, Alas, alas, the, that great city that was clothed with fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as stood uh, as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust upon their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city were in were made rich, all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour... Is she made desolate? I know that was a long passage. But that's what's going to happen. The world's going to think it's getting smarter and smarter. They're going to join hands across the world. Which before would have never been thought to have been done until our technology today. But God knew about it. And everyone's, all these different kings, they're going to join up with this global economy. The global economy. And as the nations join in with the global economy, suddenly everybody's getting wealthy. Everything's looking good. But they're not wealthy toward God. God is the one thing they left out of their economy. Like Israel. They'll be serving false gods. Worshipping the works of their own hands. And God's going to finally say, like what he did with Noah. I've had enough. It's time. To judge. This wicked 
world. Everything seemed so stable and strong. She supplied so many jobs. She was celebrated for her luxury and the wealth that her economy provided. It seemed so dependable, this global government. But in one hour, the Apostle John said she'll be made desolate. Babylon found this out the hard way. Greece found this out the hard way. Rome found this out the hard way. Israel found this out the hard way. And in the end of times, the godless global government will imagine themselves to be too strong for God to overcome, too big to fail. But they will find out the hard way that they, will, the hard way that they were wrong because no one will deliver them out of God's hands. God told Hosea, verse 11, I will also cause all her mirth to cease. Mirth is happiness, celebration. When a nation prospers, there's mirth in the land. You ever seen those documentaries when the war is over and people get out and they start celebrating and dancing and times get good suddenly, you know? And it's fun times then. People are happy, dancing, partying, planning their future, getting married, going to school, having a good time. But when a nation is under God's judgment, there's distress and panic in the land. God says, I will remove her mirth. No more celebrating your gains in the stock market. No more resting secure at night. No more living in peace and tranquility. God is gone. So the hope is gone. So the mirth is gone. God said he would also cause to cease. Look back in your text. Her feast days, her new moons and her Sabbaths and all her solemn feasts. The feast uh, days and the holy days that they, they once enjoyed while they were serving God. That's when times were good. That's when they really had a cause to celebrate. But now the temple would be destroyed. Their priesthood would be disrupted. Their celebration of thanks to God would be gone. For God was no longer her savior. Now he is their judge. God said, look in verse 12 now of Hosea 2. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees whereof she hath said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me. Look at all that I've got. Look at this wonderful vineyard uh, that, uh, that we have. We have this incredible agricultural economy with, with, with lots of vineyards and, and, uh, and, and fig trees and things like that that they were so loved for and they, they traded with other nations. And she gave credit to her false gods for blessing her. But her false gods had no power to give her the grapevines or the fig trees. So God said, I will take them away and show Israel who is the real creator and giver of all things. Look back in your text. And I will make them a forest. Now a forest here means a place for wild animals to dwell. And the beast, he says in your text, and the beast of the field shall eat them. So they would have had the figs. They would have had the grapes that I gave them. They would not give credit to me for those things. They attributed them to, the, to their false gods. And so now I'm going to make them a forest. I'm going to depopulate 
their land and scatter them out of Israel, which he did. It's in history. You can read it in your history books. You can go to the encyclopedia and read about it. Everything we're reading about in Hosea, God accomplished, and it's in the history books today. He says, and the beast of the field shall eat them. Instead of Israel enjoying the vines and the figs, the wild animals would. Like the Garden of Eden, from which Adam and Eve were expelled. You can't enjoy what you don't inhabit. And we'll say that again. Like the Garden of Eden, from which Adam and Eve were expelled, you cannot enjoy what you don't inhabit. Here's a kingdom truth for you. The grace we fail to inhabit, we forfeit to another to enjoy. The beasts of the field shall eat them. The grace we fail to inhabit, we forfeit to another to enjoy. The nation of Israel, the Jews, were once the custodian and teachers of God's Word. This is where we got the Bible from, was from the Jews. But they failed to inhabit the grace of the gospel. And now the Gentiles are inhabiting the place that they, for the time being, once occupied. Central Baptist Church, be careful. America, be careful. Christian, be careful. Be careful to follow God's word. Or the fruit you enjoy today may belong to the beasts of the field tomorrow. And that's the warning that God has given me and you today. I pray to God that our church, while I'm here and after I'm gone, will continue to stand strong on God's word. Continue to follow him with our whole heart. Continue to compromise nothing in the word of God. And continue to preach the purity of the gospel. And to stay true to our God until the very end. If the Lord Jesus were to come back in the next several years, I don't want to be the church that God says come out of her. I'd rather be the church that's been persecuted and stayed true to Him and never linked up with that wicked economy. I want to be a church that follows Him all the way to heaven and none of the grace that God's put on us be given to the beast of the fields. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the solemn warnings of the book of Hosea. We have seen through history that you did exactly what you warned Israel you would do to them. You carried them away into Babylon. You carried them away by Assyria. You conquered them again with Rome. Uh, with Greece and then Rome. And still to this day, Lord, they're just a fraction of the glory they once were and attacked all the time. And Father, Lord, having seen what happened to those people, we know what can happen to us as a church. We know that when we're, we, we put our faith in Christ as our Savior, we are saved forever. But the institutions that we belong to, like Central Baptist Church in the United States of America, the institutions that we occupy, if they fail to occupy your grace, 
And Father, Lord, they'll be stripped down naked. And that we pray, Lord God, will not happen to our land. And if and when it does, dear Lord God, that us as individual saints will be true to you to the end, shining your light when it's darkest. In Jesus' name.